Liberal Fix is brought to you by Blue Push Media, news important to progressives and liberals across America. Good evening and welcome to this Friday night edition of Liberal Fix Radio. It's uh, Friday, November 20th. I'm your host, Keith Breckis, broadcasting from snowy Montana. And I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Naomi, who's in California. How are you doing this evening, Naomi? Hey, Keith. I'm doing very well, thank you. No snow here. Today it was almost uh, about 85, 83, 85 was how our oh, high wow. was. Oh, yeah. so <laughs> You were 58 or something like that, I'm sure, and we were 85, so kind of on the same page, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, yeah, no, I think we're down to no, two degrees no now. No snow yet. So. Is it really? Huh. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, getting cold. <laughs> two degrees? So. Two. Yeah, two degrees, two above, so it'll probably oh get gosh. below zero tonight. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, since my head over here, because uh, I'm not wanting to do roast a turkey when it's, you know, 85, 90 over here on Thanksgiving, so share some of that cold weather with us over here. All right, we'll do what we can. <laughs> um, so for our listeners, I guess... Um, um, Obviously, the big news last week um, was the terrorist attack in Paris, and uh, today will or, or tonight we'll probably mostly deal with sort of the fallout of that in the United States, particularly with the issue of, of accepting or allowing in Syrian refugees. Now, there's already 2,200 Syrian refugees that have come into the United States over the past few years, so this isn't a new issue, so to speak, but it's taken center stage um, in the aftermath of the Paris attacks. But probably the first thing we should mention about that, um, that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of, is is that uh, of the nine attackers that we know of, um, none of them were, were, as far as we know, Syrian refugees. We There is one individual who remains unidentified who is carrying or possibly carrying a stolen or fake passport. Um, from Syria, and he apparently passed through a checkpoint there. But it's likely that he was a European national passing back through, you know, maybe doing some training or something in Syria and came back through because the people we do know, um, their names and and where they were from, were all um, French or Belgian nationals. Um, There was one Belgian fellow who was born in Morocco, um, and then the ringleader was... uh, was uh, I believe living in Belgium, and then and then there were some French nationals living in Belgium and some living in France. But but the, they were European nationals. They were uh, um, people. Some of them people that were the French government was already sort of aware that they were involved in stuff, but just didn't have anything that they could pin them with. So so um, the refugees have been somewhat unfairly I think maligned from this because the whole uh, the attacks weren't done by refugees. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that the debate has turned to sort of accusing refugees of committing terrorism when, in fact, the refugees that we know of are are escaping, trying to get away from those kind of people and trying to come to a place with safe haven. Um, um, Anything you wanted to say on on the uh, terrorists themselves or where they're from, Naomi? Well, just... Uh, agreeing with you and reiterating, yes, you know, these these weren't, uh, you know, men that were escaping Syria or Turkey or, I mean, these weren't, these weren't, uh, you know, militant um, people that were st- stirring up trouble within their own land. Like, um, oh, what happens with, the, with our country? But I'll go into that later. But, yeah, they were definitely not uh, the, the refugees that the... Uh, that Mr. Trump and Mr. Carson and everybody else would have us be afraid of. And I know you want to touch base on that a little bit later on. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there weren't people that we should be afraid of. <laughs> Absolutely not. They had no responsibility. They didn't claim it. Um, ISIS did. And so, you know, it's it's just more um, misinformation. Um, the people that are spreading this know that it's misinformation. They know that it's wrong. But it sells and it pumps fear and gets everybody all excited, so they continue to spread it, and as long as people buy into it, they're going to continue it. Um, So I'm glad that we're doing this um, show, this topic, to kind of 
set set the story straight, although I'm sure we're preaching to the choir. Most of our listeners are um, very intelligent and, and, and are on top of the news and, and uh, don't most of them, I'm sure, don't buy into um, the Fox rhetoric. Um, but anyway, I'm glad we're doing this show. And, and yes, you're right, they weren't... They weren't uh, the refugees um, doing it. So I, I, right. I'm i jumping ahead of myself because there's, <laughs> there's so much that I, that I know we want to talk about. So I'll, I'll Oh, yeah, yeah. You. And, and, you know, and I'm glad the listeners are here because part of what we'll do this hour is try to maybe debunk some of the myths surrounding the refugees about the demographics of them and sort of, sort of allay some of the fears that people might have. And like you said, we're probably talking to mostly people who already understand that, but we might have information that they're not aware of. And and I guess um, we could start with, uh, first of all, shame on so many American politicians for catering to this fear or drumming it up. And I, I know it's having an effect on public opinion, or maybe they're just following public opinion. I don't know which is which, but I mean... There, there is a, at least a polling has shown that a majority of Americans want to shut off uh, the refugees for now. Although there's a significant minority, a large number of people who who want to help them, and we're, we're part of that crowd. And so that's, you know, but but we have to move the dialogue and make it clear what's going on here, so that we can get more people to understand what's at stake and what's going on. And and the first thing that was um, kind of unnerving is right after. Shortly after the attacks, um, some Republican governors quickly came out and said, oh, we're not accepting any more Syrian immigrants. And then, like a wave, it swept across the country. So now I think we have 31 states, um, 30, of them with Demo- uh, 30 of them with Republican governors and one with a Democratic governor that are not um, that are, are trying to bar entry to Syrian refugees and, and uh, you know, um, Almost all the Republican states, there's there's one, I believe, Republican state that didn't join the course, and that was Utah, of all places. And then, of course, almost all the Democratic governors, people like Mark Dayton in Minnesota, Steve Bullock in Montana, uh, Jerry Brown in California, Kate Brown in Oregon, um, Hickenlooper in Colorado, um, Jay Nixon in Missouri, um, Cuomo in New York. I mean, those people were... were um, uh, letting people in or saying we're going to be open to the refugees, we're going to allow them to come. Um, you, you know, some of them issued public statements. Other ones were not as um, perhaps vocal about it. But but all those places were letting them in. But all the Republican states essentially said no. And it, it's just it's just really unfortunate. I think that that um, that we have people that aren't opening their doors, even people that. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't long ago we we heard a lot of right wingers saying all lives matter, but a lot of them aren't uh, don't seem to be on board with that anymore. So I, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, any thoughts on the governors? Well, you and I had talked about this earlier in the week, Keith, and we I was surprised just at some of the location. I was surprised uh, about Maine, although yes, they do have a. Republican governor, but they're pretty um, liberal. And New Hampshire also, uh, governor uh, decided no, they weren't going to do this. But the the thing that that I want to maybe touch on briefly um, is that the you know the governors, the, the the Republican governors, for some odd reason, feel that they are in charge of their own little kingdom. And that anything that's federal or things that are not, that they do not have um, power over, they're going to say that they can anyway. You can't, how, how do you stop that? How do you stop, um, you know, people from, say, well, I, I think, is Nevada one of the states? I think it is that will not, that doesn't want refugees. Is that correct? Is Nevada one of yeah, them? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So, so just for the sake of, of you know, the, the the example here, so California, yes, we are opening our doors to the refugees. We will take a certain amount, et cetera, et cetera. But then, do you, if it, for example, so now Nevada won't open, but how do you stop the interstate traffic? Do you are you going to be shutting down 
the bus stations? Are you going to have put put Homeland Security at the bus stations, at the train stations, at airports, at uh, you know uh, taxi cabs? Because some of the you know the states the state lines you know if someone's living in you know the California portion of Lake Tahoe and wants to get into uh, Lake Tahoe, Nevada, I mean that would be a taxi drive or you know someone could drive them over. I mean, what do you? How are you going to stop that? It's just it's so ludicrous and so frustrating that they have this. Um, attitude of they get all puffed up and I have all this power and I'm not going to we're not going to do this I'm going to protect my citizens and you know if the federal government's not going to do it and President Obama's not going to do it well I'm going to do it for my you know for my uh, citizens and this is what we're going to do we're going to make sure that nobody comes in and we're blocking everything off and no one's going to be able to come in and we're not taking anybody you know you you can't do that (laughs) And it's just it's just typical Republican um, train of thinking, train of thought that they can't do things and they want to push uh, the envelope, and um, it, it's it's not going to come to fruition. And you you know how how do you stop interstate movement? How, how you know I'll use my example. How do you know? good guy with a gun from a bad guy with a gun? How do you know someone that is from Jordan and someone that's from Syria? How do you know someone that's from Turkey that's from Iran? I mean, yeah, how, exactly. how are you going to do that? How are you How are you going to say you can't come through here because you look like you could be from Syria? I mean, you, you, it's just, it's, it's so frustrating. Uh, and, and, and they get the people who are the um the most vulnerable voters who will sit there and go yeah yeah we don't want terrorism in our in our land we already had 911 9 sorry 911 we don't want that to happen again you know we're no we're going to we're going to take make sure our, our state is safe you know that obama's going to let take away our guns and then he's going to let people the terrorists come you know how are we supposed to take care of ourselves he's going to take care of our take away our guns and then he's going to let all these terrorists come in you know it's it's so ridiculous. I I I don't even I I just can't I can't anymore. But that was what I wanted to touch base on with you, Keith. Is that we had talked about that earlier. I was surprised at a couple of the states, but then more surprising. Well, I guess not really that's so surprising, but more infuriating is their attitude. And uh, it, it you know it's it's part of that Republican mentality. So it. it Shouldn't be surprising, but I guess I'm just I just keep hoping against hope that, um, like you said, you know, all lives matter and let's take care of of everybody. Oh, let's discuss that real quick. You know, we we also touched base on this earlier, where the you know the votes are in the Republicans, you know, are going to cut food stamps and they don't want to pass bills for veterans for job training or for education bills. They don't want to um, you know take care of them when they're home and they're going to cut food stamps and they're going to cut this and you know uh, Head Start programs and everything that we need for families to get back on their feet that are transitioning. Everything for our veterans when they return from battle that you know return from being overseas they need. Uh, VA bills, et cetera, things that they need to start their lives as civilians, and they get cut. And then those are the same people that are saying, well, no, we can't take care of any refugees because we have all these homeless people. We have all these veterans that have no place to live. We have these veterans that are homeless and that are jobless and they have no money for medicine and no place to work and no place to live. We have all these homeless people with no jobs. You know, we got to take care of them first. Well, you know what? Then stop voting for the people who are making the cuts. And it isn't exactly. a one either or. It's not an either or. We can do both. And I always, you know, pull your example when you always brilliantly say, just because we can't do fix everything doesn't mean we can't try something. Um, but go ahead. I know I'm getting off on a tangent because I'm just so <laughs> fired up about this no, yeah, topic. But, but, but go that's ahead. That's absolutely right. And it's funny, too, because... Uh, um, some of the European countries that have taken in many, many more Syrian refugees. I think Turkey's taken in like two million. Um, people are, you know, saying it's going to have all these bad consequences. But those European countries that have taken in, taken them in, have actually seen their their economies expand and grow. So I mean, they can be an asset. I mean, obviously there's there's a transition period when when refugees first come where they're where they have to get on their feet, but but in the long term they can be an asset. But I, 
I wanted uh, going back to the governors. I, I, there was even a tragic, I guess, um, incident that took place this week, or it maybe didn't end so tragic because the, the refugees are still being settled in the United States. But, but the Indiana governor Mike Pence turned away a family. It's a it's a couple, a married couple with a five year old child, and they've been in the process of they've gone through a three year process. Uh, you know, because our, our rules are, 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 we have a very rigorous um, screening for, for refugees. So this isn't something that happens overnight. It usually takes 18 to 24 months. Well, this family had gone through a three-year pro- process. They were all set, all ready to be settled in Indianapolis. And then, of course, uh, Governor Pence had to grandstand on this and say they can't come here. So they ended up in Connecticut, which will probably be better for them anyways, because it's a, probably a more accepting state, at least in terms of state government. I mean, there's plenty of good people in Indiana. I mean, Dan Bimrose, who, who's like the guy who started this show is in Indiana, but he's not the governor. <laughs> so, I mean, so, um, but, but, but it, it was particularly galling. I think not only that, um, Malo, uh, I'm sorry, that Pence sent them away, but, what makes it kind of even more disturbing is the previous uh, Indiana governor, um, who's a Republican, Mitch Daniels, who worked in the Bush White House, and I didn't care for his policies or what he did as budget director, but he's he's the son of Syrian immigrants. I mean, they weren't refugees, but, but, but Indiana's had a Syrian governor, so they shouldn't be that afraid of of Syrian immigrants, I mean, because, you know, it's not like it's something foreign and exotic. I, I bet most of the people who voted for him didn't even know that he had Syrian ancestry, so that could be part of it. But, I mean, it it's kind of strange that, that people have this sort of revulsion or fear of people just because they think they might be Muslims but but or, or whatever. But, I, I mean, a lot of it, too, is there's so much misinformation misinformation or disinformation online. I I think one of the earlier in the week there was a photo being circulated where they showed a bunch of supposedly, you know, 10,000 Syrian refugees have come to New Orleans when in fact the real number total that are there or have gone there is 14 and they had a picture of all these young men but it's at a train station in Budapest, Hungary but it's being passed off as Louisiana and I know another one I saw was uh, of some Australian bodybuilders and they, and they were trying to pass it off as Syrian immigrants and saying, Oh, they don't look hungry. These look like able-bodied men who could, you know, blow up trucks or whatever. I mean, just really stupid stuff and nobody fact checks it. But I, I guess I'm, I'm probably getting off topic here. I was talking about Mike Pence, but, um, that no, was, well, uh, let me, let me, let me jump in real quick. Uh, sure. from, uh, from that, uh, from uh, that article that uh, you and I had talked about, it's from Carlene Miller is with the Exodus Refugee Immigration, and her quote is, the U.S. handpicks the refugees that come here. They've been screened. Turning this family away is such a travesty. And um, she, her, the, the quote I wanted to, to say is, the governor doesn't have the right to turn away refugees from Indiana. Refugees are admitted into the U.S., and they can go to any state that they choose. She says the agency chose not to bring the family to Indiana, fearing the state would deny health care, food stamps, education, job training, and other necessary services. We weren't sure what would happen, and we wanted to protect this family. In the future, we are going to welcome Syrian refugees here. And she's speaking of um, Connecticut. And uh, Governor Malloy welcomed the family to his state, saying they are wonderful and charming people. It is the right thing to do the humane thing to do, and quite frankly, if you believe in God, it's the morally correct thing to do. So, there you go. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, and, of course, it's, it's, it's like, uh, oh, go ahead. It's, well, it's just like you say, you know, they're, they're, they're pro-life, 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 pro-life. Um, except if you look different or if we have reason to be suspicious of you, then we're pro-life for you, but not here. You can go live your life somewhere else. We're not going to be a part of that, which is so, so disappointing, so not who we are. Yeah, and, and of course, um, 
the governors were just disturbing enough, but then, of course, Congress had to get in the act this week, too. So the U.S. House uh, passed a bill called the SAFE Act, um, ironically named, I guess, or inappropriately named, and it passed on a 289 to 137 vote. Of course, 242 Republicans voted for it. But, but what's really embarrassing is 47 Democrats voted for it, too. Um, and on the other side, there were only 135 Democrats who voted against it. There are also two Republicans. Um, one of them, though, I think Steve King of Iowa just voted against it because it's not mean enough. I mean, so, you know, so he doesn't really count as a no vote. I mean, it gets recorded that way, but, I mean, he's not – He's not doing anything for the refugees. He's just so far out there that he wants he wants something even more draconian. He probably wants to shoot him at the shoreline. I don't know what his deal was. Uh, and the other the other no vote on the Republican side, who's who's always harder to figure out, is was Walter Freedom Fries Jones of North Carolina. Maybe he just dislikes the French, and this is his way of thumbing his nose. No, I don't know. I mean, Walter Jones is kind of an interesting guy, and he's very iconoclastic. So he might have voted against it for good reasons. He hasn't really issued a statement, so so we don't know whether it's compassion or he's just just um, being funny or what's going on with Jones. But um, And then there was one Oklahoma um, representative who spoke out against the xenophobia, but I'm not going to give him too many props because when it actually came time to vote, he caved because a bunch of Republicans in the party said his vote would give him a veto-proof majority, and Paul Ryan and other people wanted that to be a big deal, like kind of a slap at Obama. So so even though he gave an eloquent speech, I'm not going to mention his name because he caved when the chips were down and the vote was on the line, so he doesn't get any brownie points for his speech because he ultimately didn't vote against this horrible bill. Um, uh, of course, on the Democratic side, there were 135 votes, and a lot of people had um, eloquent things to say or positive things. Um, I thought probably the best statement I saw was, um, um, you know, and I might be a little bit biased here, but uh, Arizona Rep. Ann Kirkpatrick, I thought, provided real moral clarity on that and, and on the issue. And I I think it's really important because she's running for Senate again to defeat John McCain in a state where which has a is a Republican leaning state and also one which has a history of of uh, politicians being successful by whipping up xenophobic hysteria to get votes. I mean, this is the sign the papers or show your papers state um, on illegal immigration, and and so um, I thought she really. Uh, put it out on the line. So if any of you are looking to write out a check for a Democratic Senate candidate, if you were going to write one out for the lady running in New Hampshire, um, uh, I suggest you cancel that check and send it to Ann Kirkpatrick instead because the New Hampshire governor is trying to block refugees. And Ann had a eloquent statement. I, I could read part of it, or, or if you wanted to read part of it, Naomi, that would be great. Oh, go ahead. Do you go have ahead. In front of you, or, or I'll read it if I yeah. not. But go, um, oh, okay, go, so yeah, go ahead. so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, and of course, I worked uh, as a field organizer for her in her successful bid, so I'm pretty happy that she she did all this. But uh, her statement against the uh, House Resolution 4038, she began with, "I w- will vote against this legislation because it presents a false choice and it betrays the core values of the United States of America." The United States, a country of immigrants, has a long history of welcoming the persecuted and oppressed. Our beloved Statue of Liberty, a gift from the people of France, affirms America's core values of welcoming these huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And yet today, some politicians are demanding we close America's door to Syrian refugees as they flee from the brutality of ISIS and the Assad regime. These are families reeling from mass murder, teenage girls escaping sexual slavery, toddlers sleeping in dirty, dangerous encampments. The political discourse and now legislation targeting these refugees in the wake of the Paris attacks is truly beneath us. Our nation must fight terrorism and global threats with every resource we have and with all the might we can muster. 
we have the greatest military and intelligence operations in the world, and we must do much more to destroy ISIS. Here at home, our top priority is the safety of the American people, and our refugee vetting process must continue to reflect that. The current process involves rigorous screenings by multiple agencies, including the FBI, Homeland Security, and Defense, to apprehend anyone who poses a danger and attempts to hide among the refugee population. And then she ends with, I think, the important uh, finishing touches, if you will. America must always hold its lamp high as a beacon of hope and opportunity. We must not succumb to fear or paranoia. And we must welcome these huddled masses yearning to be free, yearning to breathe free. This is who we are. And so um, in a time of moral clarity, she she laid it out there, I think, plain as day. And I think she also pointed out um, um, some of the uh, the further in her statement. She had some facts on the on the demographics of the refugees um, that I think we should bring up uh, at some point as well, because I, I think that's important um, to understand that these are not um, that many of them are children and elderly people and and families. I mean, we're not talking about the scare tactics is that it's just a bunch of young men, but uh, that's not actually who's coming over. That's not the demographics of it. I I believe um, a little over half of them are children and about 21, 22% are are adult males um, between the ages of 18 and 60. So um, 78% of them are women or children or or elderly people. So... um, and I think it, it makes sense to um, to uh, bring these people in and, and uh, let them resettle here. And, and like I said, there are 2,200 Syrians already, refugees already in the country, and they haven't uh, caused any problems yet. I, I know there's always a possibility that a person here or there or something could run and follow the law, but that's also true of our American citizens. You know, so, oh, um, no kidding. No kidding. And we've had we have had more... domestic terrorism than we have had um, of terrorist attacks from outside coming to the United States. I mean, our domestic terrorism is here. It's real. And to be paranoid about and fearful of people who aren't even here yet, refugees that we haven't even welcomed in yet, and to already be panicked and fearful about them when we have enough here amongst us keep us on our toes um, who aren't refugees, who aren't Muslims, who aren't uh, from ISIS. Um, you know, it, it's it's a thin, very thin line that I'm trying not to cross and get cr- too crazy with, but, you know, uh, you know the o- Oklahoma City bombings that wasn't done by a refugee or someone from ISIS or someone that had dark hair and dark skin. It was done by a gentleman that was Muslim. The Aurora Theater shootings were done by someone from Turkey or Iran or Syria. He did not have a foreign-sounding last name. The uh, young man who slaughtered the children and educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School he was not from Syria, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Yemen, scary-sounding places like that. Um, yeah, that's Virginia Tech, right. you know, Virginia Tech. Uh, the gentleman uh, that shot and almost killed our Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. Um, you know, domestic terrorism is here, and it is reality. And we need to be more alert and vigilant on that and also on, uh, I I don't want to get off hand because I know you had another point you wanted to bring up, but I do want to get to this point later. I just want to open it up right now about how easy it is for uh, a terrorist to come here and get a gun. Um, 
there's loopholes and there's things that need to be closed and checked. And uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein did actually uh, uh, introduce a bill that they will work on after Thanksgiving. And oddly enough, ironically enough, I guess, it is being co-sponsored on the Republican side by Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona, um, which I thought was very interesting. But, of course, uh, Senator Schumer is behind it um, um, on the Democratic side, amongst others. But um, there are things that we do need to take care of. Um, The refugee situation, the mass the terrorism that we're so afraid of is already here. It's Americans are killing other Americans. Um, When we have 88 Americans a day dying from other Americans, that's like Paris happening to us every two days. And why are we not doing something about that? Um, Yes, what happened in Paris is was tragic and Egypt and uh, Saudi Arabia and all over the world where these little pockets of terrorists are. Yes, all that is horrible. Yes, I remember when the USS Cole and and the embassies were blown up and, and yes, that's horrible. But to stop people that are fleeing that, that are just afraid of that as we are and we're stopping people who are just as afraid of where they are as we are afraid of the people that are there, that's ridiculous. Absolutely asinine. Um, anyway, go ahead. Sorry, because I'm, uh, I'm all, over the, <laughs> all over the place yeah. right now because I'm no, so, but, but I, so I upset. You raise a valid point, too. There, there's a certain um, – there's been a weird argument, too, from uh, – there was a Texas lawmaker – who of course has an A rating from the oh, NRA, God. Tony Dale, a Republican, yes. who said we yes. can't let Syrian Syrians into Texas because it's too easy to get a gun. <laughs> it's like, wait a oh minute, and God. why is that? Because you're a supporter of open carry and no limits on how many guns you can buy or how many bullets, and now you're worried because a brown per, brown-skinned person from somewhere might get one? It's like, well, it wasn't a problem before, but of course, it kind of points out the folly and they don't really think guns make you safer. It's only guns in the hands of certain people, apparently. So, exactly. so there's that whole issue. I mean, the NRA has never wanted to close the loophole. I mean, they've never even wanted people on the terrorist, terror list to be not denied guns, uh, people suspected of being involved in terrorism because, of course, the NRA is all about money and if people want to buy a gun, I guess they don't and, you know, it's just collateral damage if and, somebody goes out and shoots and innocent people, I guess. That's the bill that, that Senator Feinstein is introducing that they'll 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 reconvene and, and take it back up after Thanksgiving. But yes, that's exactly right. They're trying to keep guns out of the hands of People that are on an FBI list, people that are on a terrorist list, people that are on, uh, you know, that have red flags by their names, no, they cannot get guns. <laughs> no. And her, her quote right. I love, uh, her quote that she said I absolutely love where she said, if you're too dangerous to board a plane and get to the United States, you're too dangerous to have a gun. If you shouldn't be here and you're a terrorist, no, you don't get to have a gun. And right now they can. Um, so... <laughs> I, I I can't even wrap my head around the 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 crazy. It's it's like everywhere we're turning, it's just crazy. Um, and so I I I defer back to you. But yes, thank goodness we do have um, legislation that is at least being di- discussed and at least being brought up. And I hope hopefully Senator Flake will get people on the other side of the aisle to join him to get this pushed through. It's not, like you said, it's not a cure-all for everything, but it is something. And if you can get one of these bills pushed through and anything else similar, I believe that's an open door or a crack or a window, something else to follow through. Once people see that the world is not going to stop spinning if you let this bill pass, if this happens, and once they see the litmus test of, okay, it's not that scary after all, actually things are better, we did do a good thing by doing this, 
then other, I, I believe that other bills will follow. You know, everybody's just on such a red alert over um, things that aren't even coming to fruition and over a, a bunch of misinformation. And when people are Absolutely. scared, that's what they eat up. When people are scared, they eat up misinformation. They get that stokes the flames. It's very difficult when you have people at that high level of anxiety to calm them down and reverse it and get them to, you know, have reality checks because all the head is spinning through their, all they're spinning, their thoughts are just going a mile a minute of what are we going to do? How do we protect ourselves? What am I going to do? Do I have to buy a gun? You know, it's just um, rushing out to get the guns and uh, it's, it, that's not the answer. More guns is not the answer. Absolutely. And I think uh, it is kind of interesting, though, that if ever there was a chance where the, the terrorist loophole or whatever might be closed, where they might not allow that, this might be a time when there's lawmakers who are normally friendly to the NRA who might say, well, I don't know, letting people on the terror watch list have unlimited access to guns might be a bridge too far. So you see people like Jeff Flake, now that he's nervous about terrorists, maybe he'll, you know, I mean, he'll probably be on board with with passing this a lot and there he'll probably get some other Republican lawmakers too. And I'm sure there will, there will be some who, who lock in and, and don't want to, don't want to challenge the NRA, but then they'll be on the record saying, you know, Oh, well, we don't have to keep guns out of the hands of terrorists because the gun lobby vote is more important to us. Their support is more important to us than safety or whatever. And so if they're going to grandstand about safety by we can't allow any Assyrian immigrants or refugees in because we've got to keep us safe, and then they turn around and say, oh, yeah, but people on the terror watch list can buy guns, I, I think voters who are informed of that will, will sort of react and, uh, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't sound right. So, so hopefully maybe there will be uh, – that will give us an opportunity to sort of uh, at least – maybe make inroads on gun sense in one little area and then we may open to the door later on because then the whole lie about guns making us safe safer is challenged in a time of, of fear and anxiety that, oh, yeah, maybe we don't really believe that and, and that might open some opportunities. I guess I should point out for our listeners who just joined us, um, we're about 37 minutes past the hour, but uh, today we are talking about the uh, the issue surrounding Syrian refugees and admitting them to the United States. I did want to point out that um, our guest in two weeks, I guess on December 4th, um, it, it will end up being a pretty timely guest um, when we scheduled the show as prior to the terrorist attack. So um, it was timely anyways, but now it seems particularly um, important to have this conversation, of course, for um, we wish that didn't happen. I mean, that's certainly a, uh, uh, a sad reason for it to make the topic more um, salient for people. But uh, our guest in two weeks on December 4th will be Deepa Iyer, and she is the author of a book called We Too Sing America, and it's about South Asian, Arab, Muslim, and Sikh immigrants who shape our multiracial future. And, of course, there's going to be very different people. I mean, Sikh, Muslim, South Asian, Arab, that's that's um, a lot of different ethnicities and religions lumped in as a group. But, I mean, I think she chose to sort of put them together because to sort of the average white American just walking down the street, sometimes they don't make the distinction. I mean, so you have um, Sikh people getting um, victims of hate crimes because people mistake them for Muslims and, you know, so... So they do sort of have a shared reality in the United States, even if their religious practices and ethnicities are very different. But um, that'll be coming up in two weeks, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and social media. But I uh, wanted to get back to, uh, I guess, the discussion that we're on uh, tonight, of course. Uh, uh, and uh, one of the things I, I think we alluded to, to a little bit before, but I, I just wanted to mention the data on who the Syrian refugees are. Um, not all of them, of course, come to the U.S., and, and they don't get to choose which country they come to either. I don't know if people realize that, but kind of put in a, in a group. And th there are certain factors that can improve their chances of coming here, for example, if they have family members here or something. But they can be settled uh, in many different countries. So it's not as if some 
carousel person could say, oh, I really want to go to the U.S. They don't get to pick where they're going in their screen. But but of the refugees that are out there, just to dispel some information, 50.5% are women, um, um, 21.0% are males in the age group between 18 and 59. So the supposed age of, of men that, that some people are afraid of, and it's about 22% of the terror, uh, 22% of the, excuse me, 22% of the refugees fit in that demographic that people are trying to say would be ISIS terrorists. And of course, most of them are coming with their families. It's men with their wives and children. And, and of course, 18 to 59 year old men coming from Syria, escaping a war-torn region are not terrorists. They're just <laughs> men. I mean, adult men. Um, and, and then, of course, um, 50, I think 51.1% are children. Um, 39% of them are children under 12 years old. So so when you see the pictures that they put on the right-wing sites of it's just a room full of Arab-looking Arab or, or uh, men in their 20s or 30s, and they say, oh, this is us, the, the refugees coming to New Orleans or something. No, that's not That's not what's going on. That That picture that's out there is, is actually at a demonstration at a Budapest train station. And the reason it's all men is I guess that's who participated in the demonstration, but they were trying to get on a train somewhere and they weren't doing any, I mean, they were doing like a sit down strike or something. So it's not even a scary demonstration. Um, and then uh, it just, so we're basically talking about families and children. Um, and it, it's just, it's just a shame that there's all that misinformation out there. And, and um, any thoughts on, on that aspect of it before I get to talking about the Republican presidential candidates and some of their loopy plans that have come out this week? Well, I I did want to mention, I know that there's people that are saying, um, you know, they're, they're uh, saying that they're going to, they're going to receive everything, um, Free and have everything handed to them, and they're not going to have to work for anything. And I, I, you know, their their mentality is that there's going to be a a, a big um, group of immigrants, of refugees. I mean, that are going to be plopped down in their city and are going to get free handouts forever, for as long as they want. Um, that's you know, I've seen that ridiculous argument going on as well. Um, I, I did want to mention also that there's so many checks that they have to go through. It, 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 it takes years. It could take, you know, 18 to 24 months to have this all done. They also have, I thought this was interesting when I was reading the information, that uh, before departing, refugees sign a promissory note to repay the United States for their travel costs. This travel loan is, is an interest-free loan, but the refugees must begin to pay back six months after arriving in the country. And so they, they, you know, the reality is that they do have to pay back, that they're not going to be getting everything just handed to them for free. And most of these refugees, I, I've, I've been learning from, from the different uh, um, immigration websites and, and refugee um, organizations that we've been reading, reading about, most refugees want to go back. They hope that their country situation is resolved. They hope that, you know, because they're, sometimes they're leaving family. They're leaving, that's their country. That's their homeland. That's where they feel, you know, connected to. That's their home. This is a disruption for them, just as much as people feel it is for, for, for us, that it would be a disruption. It's a disruption for them. They're literally... Um, risking everything, leaving everything and everyone behind in some instances to come to who knows where and they don't know how they're going to be greeted. They're not coming over here with, you know, suitcases filled with money to just, you know, stand up a storm and just, you know, live high on the hog. These people have nothing. They have absolutely nothing. And they're risking everything to come here and to and hopefully have a better um, living environment. Most of them will want to work, and they're going to take jobs that the uh, average American may not want to do. I'll leave it at that. 
you know, they're going to be the ones doing the job that uh, some people complain that other people are lazy and don't want to do. They're going to be doing those jobs. They're the ones that are going to be trying to start a new business. They're going to be trying to do what they can if they do want to stay here to provide for their families, to make a difference for their children, or to start over, completely starting over. Um, and some of them do want to go back. They don't want to stay here. This isn't home for them. Home is over there. Their home is a mess. So they're here. They hope that the country gets it together and stops everything, the fighting, and that there is peace so that they can go back and resume their lives. They, that is home for them. This isn't home for them. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just, we really need to repaint that picture because it's not these scary men coming over with AK-47 strapped on their backs ready to just blow up buildings. You know what? We have those people here. Um, the people that are fleeing their country are just as afraid. They're just as afraid of the same people that we are. Um, so Absolutely. I, I, we need to make sure that that's loud and clear. Um, but, yes, now let's, let's turn to the fun circus that is the presidential, uh, Republican presidential candidates that we that we all know and love. Yeah. Let's, let's and, deal, and let's deal with, uh, with Mr. Trump and Mr. Carson and their, their, you know, bevy of wonderful suggestions on how to deal with this crazy problem that President Obama will not stop talking about. Right. And, uh, and uh, hopefully I can do this fast enough so we can end on a high note and point out actually a couple of conservatives or Republicans who are doing the right thing. But <laughs> unfortunately, they don't hold elected office for the most part. But, but yeah, I think it's important to talk about the presidential candidates. As we know, um, in the last debate, I think on the Democratic side, all three candidates were open to continuing the process of, of allowing the Syrian refugees in. So Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Martin O'Malley, all on the right page with this. On the Republican side, it's just the opposite. Uh, Jeb Bush is maybe the one person who kind of left it open that maybe we can let some in, but then he wanted to make sure that we um, gave priority to letting the Christian Syrians in over the Muslims, so there's this religious litmus test thing going on. Um, Ted Cruz was more extreme in that of, of just, we should only allow the Christian um, Syrians in, um, so there's a religious litmus test, and then, uh, and then of course we have the front runners, Ben Carson and Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump wants to have uh, a database for Muslims, basically um, that they all have to be in this database, and we spy on them. We might as well stick a, a, a little sign, uh, something on them to denote that they're Muslims, you know, that they're second-class citizens or whatever, so we can watch them. So he wants it basically registering them, which, which is kind of eerily like, you know, maybe sticking the Star David on Jewish people during uh, the Nazi Germany rule in Germany. I mean, I don't want to overdraw the comparison and be guilty of Godwin's law, but I mean, <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's not too much of a stretch. I mean, it really is no, registering no, them as a religious no. minority so that they can be monitored and rounded up, you know. It's not too much of a stretch at all, at all. No, and it isn't, especially when, when uh, there's actual Republican lawmakers calling for internment camps. Um, several of them, there was a, a woman in Rhode Island, there was a state lawmaker in Missouri. Um, there there were a couple others that, that I, uh, escapes me where they were again, but they're, they're talking about literally interning them in camps. I think Ben Carson wanted a hold them in camps until we send them back to where they come. I mean, you know, take care of them here, but, but don't let them integrate into society. And and he had a really weird statement too. He he thought Trump's idea of, of registering them was bad, but I mean, it wasn't very convincing because then he said, well, when you have a rabid dog in the neighborhood and it's like, oh my gosh, are you seriously trying to compare um refugee children or refugee families to rabid dogs. It's like, uh, just, you know, stop talking, Mr. Carson. You're, you're, 
you're 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 not making sense and you're way way out of line. I mean, he said if there's a rabid dog running around in your neighborhood, you're probably not going to assume something good about that dog, and you're probably going to put your children out of the way. That doesn't mean that you hate all dogs. I mean, what the you know? I don't even know how to make sense out of that. I haven't heard anything as disjointed since Sarah Palin was on the presidential ticket. And, and then um, um, I guess the other one we should mention that's a, sort of a Republican front runner because he may end up being the nominee is Marco Rubio was sort of quick to follow Donald Trump's lead and say, oh, yeah, we need to. Well, he wouldn't say straight out we need to shut down mosques, but when they asked him about it, he said we need to shut down places where people can, can get rattled radicalized or where people can be exposed to radical ideas, implying that was mosques. Of course, he's not talking about shutting down Liberty University or or Pat Robertson's 700 Club. Those people are exposed to radical ideas, too, although they're usually not associated with uh, um, outright terrorism unless you count, well, a few cases, small cases, things. Uh, there have been some extremist Christians who've, who've done some things in this country at abortion clinics and and stuff, but uh, but uh, you know, it's just the, the mentality of these Republican candidates. I know they're playing to the fear and they're playing to the base, and some of them are true blue believers, probably in in what they're saying. But it, it just it isn't what we are or what we should be. We should be expecting better out of our our candidates for president. I mean, something a little more reasonable than what we're getting. Your thoughts, Naomi? What the hell? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, I don't. I don't even know what else to say. Where are these people coming from? These. You say crazy enough, and it starts to make sense. And they truly believe. And if if we all believed that the sky was falling, like they say it is, or that it's it's bound to happen, you know, it's just let one in and that's all it's going to take and, you know, the whole country's going to go up in flames. If if we adhere to that, then then yes, then that they win. Then the hate wins. And we can't let hate win. We can't let hate, hate win. Love wins. Peace wins. Um, thank God we have President Obama who's not just ready to, you know, push the button and send everybody that's available overseas and just start bombing the heck out of the, out of people. I, you know, his clarity and his sense of reason and, and control. Um, and by control, I don't mean he's a control freak. I mean, his just sense of purpose and control before he's very cautious um, has, has served us well. Um, so to me, he's, he's the the beacon of light. And as long as he doesn't look, you know, crazy, I'm good. (laughs) You know, it's like, uh, you know, my daughters when they say, well, if mom doesn't look scared or mom's not nervous, then there's nothing to be nervous about. It's when mom has those crazy eyes that we know something's up. You know, and and these people that, that are wanting to be the leader of our country with these crazy statements and these crazy eyes and 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 saying these things about other humans like it's nothing to say that we should put um id badges on all muslims and that we need to keep them separate that they can't be integrated with the rest of us they can come in but they can't you know we need to treat them as a rabid dog what 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 is that you know that that to me absolutely disqualifies you from having any type of a normal conversation with anybody. You need to be in the crazy corner by yourself because that is not conducive to our nation. We're not an exclusive country. We are inclusive. We're all we're all from somewhere else. We're all diverse. We all have different religions and different cultures and different things that we that we uh subscribe to. The crazy talk, that's not who we are. And people need to really know that this is this is serious business. You know, these are the two the two men that you mentioned, Trump and Carson, are the front runners. And they're the ones with the, with the craziest talk. Um, 
So we need to make sure that we are informing and educating as much as we can. And I, I know you want to wrap it up, so I, I will stop. Oh, yeah. So so there was one bright point of light, um, which is uh, uh, Condoleezza Rice said we, that we should let the refugees in. And so um, not every Republican has has taken the, uh, the sort of uh, anti-refugee stand. I mean, she said it was important to have security checks in place and this, that, and the other. But, I mean, at least she's open to the idea of letting refugees in. Um, so, so that's a really positive um, side note and something that we can at least take heart in that there are some Republicans uh, um, standing against what the majority of their party says. And also the governor of Utah, Gary Herbert, or Herbert, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but uh, um, he also was open open to that and kind of standing in opposition to his party. I, I did want to correct one thing that I actually put on my Facebook page that I just looked up and it's been debunked is uh, somehow um, a satire site had said that Toby Keith was helping the refugees out but as I was looking for more information on that to describe it I noticed the LA Times ran a piece today that says no he hasn't recorded a song to benefit Syrian refugees um, so we don't really know where he stands on that from what the article on the LA Times said they said he hasn't really taken a position either way so he's not out there um, making a bigoted statements against him or, or saying anything one way or the other, but it's also apparently not true that he's doing anything big, um, some benefit concert or something for him. So, so um, it, it's getting so hard to tell satire from from the real thing these days. I mean, the obvious sites are there, like the Onion and Freewood Post and stuff that you can pick up easily, but some of the things are are going and, 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 and then they get spread by regular news organizations. And so you, you know, <laughs> if you're not looking at the original source, you can get suckered by those things. But uh, I don't want to get off topic on that. I, I think uh, what's important is that there are voices of reason. I think um, it's nice to have somebody on the other side of the aisle, people like Condoleezza Rice, the governor of Utah, and even the, even the congressman from Oklahoma who spoke up against xenophobia even though he kind of buckled in the final vote. And, and then, of course, on the Democratic side, a bunch of mayors have been really forthcoming in, in trying to open up their cities and welcoming people. Um, and I think that's important. It's really encouraging that people are doing that. And, of course, um, also members of Congress, people like uh, Ann Kirkpatrick and Jan Sikowski have said um, really important things about uh, uh, letting the Syrian refugees in, and, and some of the governors as well. I think Dan Malloy in Kentucky, Connecticut has been exemplary, and, and my own governor in Montana had good things to say. So all is now lost, but, I mean, we're going to have to let reason and compassion triumph over fear and paranoia because, um, in a way, if, if we give in to fear, then we've let the terrorists win because that's what they want. They want to terrorize people, and they want to, you know, um, uh, make it hard on the refugees and, and on the people that live in other places. And, and so we got to fight back against that. But we're almost out of time. I didn't know. Did you have any final thoughts, Naomi, before I send this home? No, I think, I think it was, it was good. And no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Well, well, again, I want to thank everybody for listening and, uh, uh, this has been Liberal Fix Radio, and on behalf of Keith Breakfast, Naomi Minogue, and Dan Bimrose, we want to wish everyone a safe and, and happy weekend and, and, you know, try to go out and, and live a little and have a good time. I mean, these are interesting times, but there's no reason that we have to succumb to fear. <laughs>